again by me, you know, Patrick. And the Patrick. thing is on that, Pam, that on this Quinn's Bar and Grill, I didn't know if you're into writing and you're into reading and shit, you'll get a kick out of this. I, after after Highway 23, I wrote a thing called Kien Fucking Sabe, <laughs> which it's just uh, it's just scraps and shit that I wrote, but it's all it's all goofy shit in there. But it's not like a novel. There's no story to it. It's like essays and thoughts and sure. uh, it's it's an interesting little thing. And uh, but when I got to Quinn's, I had these short stories, and you can't. I said, I don't want to just have a book of bullshit. So I took it. I incorporated the short stories into my main plot. Oh, rad. Yeah, That's man. A great idea. And I got a professor dude who's not a real professor. He's just a guy who knows a whole lot of shit about a whole lot of different things, you know? Yeah. And he's bounced around here and there. And he's a buddy of the bartender. So the bartender lays these stories on him to read. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. yeah so you I found put a story a in a story. It, that's great. Yeah, so they do that shit, and then all these crazy poems and shit that I've written over the years and didn't know what to do with. That's so smart. I threw some of them in there as things that Allison writes, but then early on in the story, I have poetry night in uh, in Greenwich Village, New York, which would be like Frisco's. uh, North uh, Beach. you know the uh, the yeah. gay district. We're, yeah, sure. Castro or in North Beach, there's yeah, a lot like of poets. Yeah, like Castro. Stuff. Yeah, city, okay. City it would be like that. And this is this is down in Greenwich Village, and uh, and he and the girl go down there for a, a poetry thing that she wants to be in, and she writes she reads her poem. Uh, Hopelessness is not a bummer. It's just a guitar strummer. And the band cuts in, and the band is like a riff on the New York Dolls. And uh, it's a, it's just a whole very trippy thing for weird people. Yeah, hey, a way to I love poetry, and if you're working poetry into the book, that's that's a lot of fun. Oh, it's a double treat. It's yeah. a double treat, man. Yeah, and then when she's on the run, she also gets into a trip with a, a dude uh, who's you know living up the mountains, but he's not into religion. He's just a, he's a guy like a Dalai Lama, but he's strictly not into religion. <laughs> And he's got a big bin there, the the secret of life bin. And if you're stupid enough to ask the meaning of the secret of life, you get a little capsule and you read it like a like a fortune cookie, and it might say life is about not getting caught. Ah. And after that's after contemplation and all. So there's a lot of humor in it, and it's they're both real good things to read. I'm I'm so glad I. Yay! Talk to you today. I was just uh, I was just reading this morning about Frank O'Hara and in the new school uh, the New York New School poets, and that he got run over by a dune buggy in on Fire Island. Isn't that wow. crazy? Like he was forty years old and he was on Fire Island partying it up, and he got hit by a dune buggy and died. And he died. <laughs> yeah. And he was uh, like this. He was this poet in the, in the you know late fifties, early sixties. I know, but I just I just love poetry, and I'm I, that's oh, so good exciting. for you. Patrick, yeah, because so cool. I got a lot of uh, uh, I got these poems, and I assign them to different poets who get up there to do their trip at this uh, Halloween poetry festival in Greenwich Village. Yeah. And uh, like one uh, one guy gets up and he says. Uh, I was sitting by the river watching last night's condoms float. 
on their way to Madagascar or some other place remote. Oh, that's great. When I saw two turds break surface through a growing oil slick, and I thought, Jesus fucking Christ, the Hudson River's sick. <laughs> Isn't that a nice little ditty? That's great. <laughs> I love it. It's accessible. It has rhyme. It's hilarious. That's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got some fucked up shit in there, man. And uh, I got, you know, I got women. I got a woman in there, and I got, she's like a militant chick. And she says, you start out your morning with a 62-ounce quick freezy, and then you eat that beef jerky and this and that. Now you're sick, and you want me to pay your hotel bills. What the fuck are you, crazy? (laughs) It sounds sounds Bukowski-esque. It was a cathartic for me. Yeah. 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 Cool stuff. Oh, I could I could recommend those two things very yeah, highly yeah, everybody, to you, Patrick Pam. Carlin, if you're listening. And this is usually the edge of insanity. Uh, they're not here today, but Patrick still called in because he's awesome, and we've had this really fun conversation. I can't believe you're 88. You're I like, can't either. <laughs> I can't either. But you're so like you're you belie your age with your voice and your quickness and your cleverness. Yeah. Like. Yeah, well, like they said, he's so immature. (laughs) I'm waiting to grow up, man. Do you actually feel like that in your mind, though? Do you feel like you're still... Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. Give me hope. Yeah, it's it's where your head is at, man. Yeah. Yeah, I got a baton in the back seat of my car. (laughs) If they do road rage on me, I'll teach them some stunts. (laughs) Do you you still party? Uh, I only smoke reefer and shit. Okay. And I uh, and I, I hang out over with uh, Levon's uh, studio up here, where they have bands and not because now it's not happening, but they have bands in and stuff. And I like musicians. I can't play a lick, but I like to listen. Sure. So it's not like really uh, a partying time because I've been married. Wow, we've been married about sixty something years. Ooh. Oh yeah. So uh, I'm a home guy. Yeah. You know? Sure. Yeah. yeah you're nested. What the fuck? Yeah, I, I, you know, if you got a wife, you sure as shit don't need a girlfriend. <laughs> How can you have both? I mean, yeah. it's impossible I mean, to please know, one woman. I, I used to two. look at these pictures like Goodfellas, and they would have Thursday night would be girlfriend night for the guys in the in the uh, outfit and stuff like that, you know. And uh, it's tragic, really. They had one. It was it was uh, these these mafia stories are beautifully done, you know. And if you're in New York City and you you bumped into the guys here and there, and you know, and, and uh, it, it, when it, it, I love the sentimentality of like the guy is there with his chick, and his old lady has put him. They become estranged because he's such such a ballbuster. And Jerry Vale, I don't know if you know his voice, but it's a beautiful, beautiful voice, and he's singing. Pretend you don't see her, my heart. You know? Well, it's so and easy so to be romantic movies, with a girlfriend. These, oh, they're good stuff. They're good. There's a lot, of, a lot of tragic love affairs and shit, you know? Sure. And if you're lucky, you know, when you're young and you're bouncing around, uh, you get your heart broken and shit like that. And then you get well quick. I mean... You get well... Falling in love is a lot of fun. Oh, so. yeah. But they're like, uh, it's like having a cat. 
eventually it's going to die and you're going to have to bury it. That, yeah, yeah, the, you've got to let the bodies fall where they may, yeah. and those bodies are going to fall you'll somewhere. See, you'll see in Highway 23, Pam, that Eddie Flynn believes the same thing I do when he tells her, first comes lust, then comes love. See, and I, yeah. I see that even in my situation. Me and Marlene married 62 years, and uh, when I first seen her, I didn't think, oh, wow, I'd sure like to discuss nuclear physics with her. <laughs> Fair. Absolutely yeah. fair. Yeah, I looked across that bar, and I said, oh, oh I want some of that. Hell yeah. <laughs> and then you go after it. And then, then lust, uh, lust settles after a while, and uh, love sets in over the years. Love, you know, When the people say I'm in love and they're young, they don't mean I'm in love. They mean I want to fuck you. Right, sure. And then that's it's, it's nice. That's good. That's where it starts. You know. <laughs> so I'm pretty realistic about a lot of shit. Isn't that funny though? Because religion says that sex is where it ends. Oh yeah. Right. Like you oh, do yeah. all oh, these yeah. things. You do yeah. all these things, and you have to do all these things in order to have the sex, as opposed well, to. Well, you, you. I'll tell you about religion. When you get to Highway 23. Eddie talks to Joan because while he's in Alaska, uh, she had a car accident just before he went and all. So she's being, and she's not going to Michigan University. She's at a Catholic place, almost like a, almost like a nunnery. And uh, he gives her a little, he tells her all about religion when he gets back from Alaska. And she understands. To me, personally, just as a person, it's a, it's the cruelest hoax that that mankind has played on himself. Oh sure, yeah. It's just bullshit. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's just fucking pure bullshit, it's man. That, it's that we that, but we like the hoax. I think that we I like do. a they story do. and we like fantasy, and yeah. it's easier oh, for you're people. You're on it, Pam. Right? It's easier to love a fantasy or to experience a fantasy than it is like because, like you said, lust is a fantasy. Love yeah. is real, and so if you you know, it's almost like religion is a is a lust. Yeah. That you have yeah. to fulfill so that you're not scared of dying. Ah that's yeah. the whole thing with the coronavirus right now. I'm like, you know, I confront my own mortality all the time. I'm scared of dying constantly. So Good for you. This that's, whole, that's just being realistic. Yeah. Well, and I'm trying to live all my moments to like, you know, I Good. could get hit by a bus. But so now with all this coronavirus, I'm like, we could die, we could die. I'm like, yeah, and it's the same as five minutes ago like all yeah. of us could die like anything yeah. could happen and you tell them it's not we could die you will die yeah we're all yeah exactly <laughs> eventually, eventually you're gonna go away man right uh, something's gonna get you and uh, or you're just gonna unwind you just be so goddamn old that you just everything shuts down sure. and that's cool too but uh but you gotta look at that i'm, I'm i've been very fatalistic uh, for the past few years and we we think about it and uh not in a way, it's just a way that it's going to happen, you know. Yeah, yeah. When my brother died in 08, man, that was uh, that was a very heavy scene for me. I'd known him since he was born. Yeah. You know? And it really tore me up. I mean, I just was really, really torn apart. But uh, he made it so nice in his will he had stuff like rock and roll music that he wanted played wow and he wanted us to wear bright colors and yeah. stuff like that and he had everywhere that he wanted his uh 
ashes to be distributed. Sure. He wanted some down by the Bonsoir Club down in Greenwich Village and some up in the neighborhood where he smoked his first joint. Rad. And uh, some up where he was at camp when he was a kid and he won a little drama thing. Every summer he would win as a, as in a, some kind of things of kids singing or telling sure, sure, jokes or whatever. Show. Yeah. And yeah, and so we he made his funeral uh, like a happy occasion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for all of us that were distributing his ashes, man. Oh, that's so. Cool. And uh, Kelly had the ashes in the urn, and we went around, and uh, uh, we a buddy of ours from a bar where he hung out, and we all were smoking joints, and it was just a, it was a send off for him, like. You know, yeah, what the hell? So that's how I'd want he, to be. Uh, he was always he was thoughtful. Yeah. Even in death, he was thoughtful to make it a, a different thing than just standing there in a black suit. Right, and feeling sad. Yeah. He told you what to yeah, feel, he, and he, he said, feel happy. He had style. George had style, and he, you know, he never forgot that I was his bro. Hell yeah. And uh, we really enjoyed each other. And then he's gone. I talk to his spirit every day. Right on. I talk to his fucking spirit. So, and and I, my mom and all of these memories, that's all I, some guy, a famous guy said, life is just memories. Uh-huh. And one of these guys in Bartlett's book of quotations or something like that. So, so that's, that's where well, that's at. I, I believe, and, I believe too that, um, I don't necessarily believe in an afterlife, but I believe no. that, I believe that thought is real and that anytime you think about somebody who's dead, because they're your there. thought is re- real, then they're alive. So, yes. so any yes. remember, so when you have a book and w- when I read Highway 23, you live forever in my brain and in that book and in that connection because it's. And a half-life of memory sort of dissipates. But that's money. how we... I feel like it's... People are still around. I oh, mean, yeah. Anytime oh, yeah. you listen to a comedy album or you watch a movie or you read a book or you listen to a podcast or you read oh, a letter yeah. that someone wrote that your mother wrote to you in 1942 or something. Oh, that yeah. You're, you're on the money. Yeah, you're awakening that in your mind. That Therefore, that person still exists. They're still around because your thoughts are real. So, yes, you're yeah. right there. This so is wonderful that you have this program, Pam. Well, uh, this is this is the edge of insanity. I'm just here because it's the COVID-19, and I'm here for the Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike and Carl at 2 well, o'clock. what do you do? Well, they pre-recorded, and so I'm just going to press play at 2 o'clock. Oh, um, but what do you do, Pam? Oh, I own the station. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, this is my... That's a wonderful outlet. No, let me tell yeah. you something. Uh, I enjoy Paul because he just lets me rip, yeah. you know? And we do our thing. And uh, I'm so happy to find that you own that station because you have an outlet there for uh, uh, things that I would like to do uh, toward helping old people... Uh, not get dementia. Well, I mean, right. uh, I, I, I've got a thing together where I do about two hours or so of tunes that are new and old, both because you got old people and then you got Guatemalan caregivers there pushing their wagons around. Yeah. And so, uh, right behind, right behind something like "Roll Out the Barrel," I might play something called. Uh, 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 Chien Sabe. Right on. By Christian Mayer, M E I E R. 
and he's Argentinian. Rad. But it's got that big boom boom, that good beat, and all of that stuff. So uh, it's a it's a great program toward jogging the old minds from yesteryear to now. And all of a sudden, Stevie Wonder will jump in doing an old thing like Yester Me, Yester You. So I mean, it's a good and, program and idea and all. And music. my dream is to have that going into all the places where the old people are at. 100%. Because yeah. it and, triggers uh, their memory. What would you, if you call it? Like when they used to syndicate a program? Yeah, they, they still could. Hey, if you want to send, send me the music, I'll play it on Mutiny Radio. I, I think that's really exciting because if you're triggering people's memories and making them think, when we allow people to passively imbibe images all the time, it's like eating applesauce. It's just mush. And so we're not engaging our brains and not even, I think even reading out loud to people is more important than vapidly imbibing the images that TV just feeds us and or uh. Netflix or, because if you, even if even if you aren't able to read the book with your own eyes anymore, you're still hearing the words and creating pictures in your mind from those uh-huh. like bits of code, and and you're engaging your brain, and and we have to continue doing that, otherwise, what's the? It does just slip away. I, I don't know. Dementia is the scariest thing for me because I can't imagine not being able to think, you know, like, uh-huh. <laughs> deeply about things. That would be, I, I don't know. That's just a scary. I know what Pam. Pam, I know what you're saying. Dig this. This is from the other morning. I do, every morning, I do a set of 13 tunes home here. And I don't play them or anything yet because I'm waiting for just the right format here. And we were going to have some people open a place here on Easter. But, you know, that's just not going to happen. But the other morning, after I played my first set, I smoked a little joint. And I came back, and it was 8.40 a.m. So I said, 8.40? Hmm, that's twice 420. And I started out with, I jumped right into Brother Lee with Citizen Cope, and I followed up with AM Radio, Everclear, and I went back then to Making Thunderbirds by Bob Seeger. Oh, wow. The big line moved one mile an hour so bad it really hurt. And then from that, I went to Yester Me, Yester You with Stevie Wonder. Then I went to Roll Out the Barrel by the Old Timers, Palisades Park by Freddie Cannon, and Live and Let... Oh, then I got into... uh, I slid into the Beatles with Live and Let Die by McCartney. Nobody Told Me There'd Be Days Like This by Lennon. And Photograph by Ringo... Bangladesh from the live concert by George Harrison, and I ended up with Blue Jay Way. And Blue Jay Way, when I was a limo driver back around 1980, I parked up on Blue Jay Way and smoked a joint in honor of the Beatles. Yeah. Wasn't that nice? Yeah. And that's what stimulates my mind, see? While I played those things, the next thing I played was While My Guitar Gently Weeps, and that's when me and my wife and our kids, they were little then, they were like 10 and 8. And we came down from Vermont to visit my mom and aunt. And we were smoking a joint in the kitchen, playing an old Beatles cassette. Because uh, this was, like I said, around 1975. Sure. And uh, and my mom comes in the kitchen and we got her loaded without her knowing it. Like a contact high. We blew smoke on her and all. And when she was into poetry, Pam. She was into poetry, too. And she says, oh, I didn't never knew those Beatle boys wrote such beautiful lyrics. Oh, <laughs> so Mom had a nice 
got a nice load on without knowing it, you know. That's great. And and those memories, that those songs would trigger those really vibrant memories. That's what they do. Yeah. See, Pam, that's, yeah. where, that's what I'm telling you. You're on the money. Yeah. Because uh, when I see that, I see the, uh, the whole trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, next time I played Happy Days or Here Again. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's and then you got you got people you never heard of. I got a freaky tune for you that will. It's called Solar Pilgrim. Solar Pilgrim. And it's by a guy called Twain. That's all the name is is Twain. T W A I N. And it is the dreamiest song. If you want to like, I'm gonna look it up on YouTube right now. Solar Pilgrim. Oh uh, And then yeah. we have to get your last thoughts because. Uh, you coming gotta, up at you 2 o'clock out of there. is, yeah, is Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie. So what was that again? It was Solar... Solar Pilgrim. Pilgrim. And the dude's name is Twain, T-W-A-I-N. So think about all this shit. Yeah. And uh, keep uh, keep my home phone number here. Sweet. Uh, it's, what is it? It's 845... Uh, 845-684-684. 5152. Rad. You just gave that over the internet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody, I'm if you want to call think... Patrick Carlin and talk to him about the future or the past or songs, it sounds like yeah, you've got just... his number now. So, <laughs> <You're> <laughs> well, there <amazing>. you go. <laughs> I am so. If you so... want to tell me to go fuck myself, I don't care. Oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I'm sure that's what everyone's doing now, right? Thank you so much for calling. I'm so glad that I was here to accept the call, and it's such an honor to speak to you. And oh, I can't wait listen, to read your that's book. that's a two-way street, Pam. And we're going to play I'm just happy that uh, I met someone whose head is as fucked up as mine. Hell yeah! So yeah. that's very wonderful. And you have a beautiful time now, and we'll, I'll tell Paul all about this Thank shit. you so much. Well, we've got it. I'm going to put it on oh, the night playlist so was everyone mine. can hear. Thank you so tell much, Patrick Carlin. for me. <laughs> Hey, everybody, that was Patrick Carlin, uh, brother of now uh, R.I.P. George Carlin, and that was right.
All right, that was The Big Moon, Your Light. And today's playlist was handpicked by our special guest today, Phoebe Xavier, a fellow rainbow sister and comedian. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be interviewing her today. So I'm excited to have her on. Let's uh, Let's bring her up. Hey, Phoebe. Hey, what's up, Greg? Oh, you know, just sitting in the Mission District doing this silly radio thing. Oh, yeah, you have to, like, actually go to the studio to do it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, during, co- during COVID, it was like a radio is essential, so it got to stay open. But because we, uh, like, for a while, it was only the people that were already here that were allowed to be here and a lot of the shows... Uh, people weren't coming in, but that's kind of how I started this show, was I was already, like, in a COVID bubble with Pam, so <laughs> we were just trying to keep the station full of content, and now the show started, so <laughs> I thought cool. it would be fun to kind of archive old Always Free. Oh, yeah, by the way, this is the Always Free podcast. I don't know if I told the audience that. <laughs> uh. I knew that that was lame. Yeah. <laughs> Working on those uh, intros. So, what's new with you, Phoebe? Um, so I have a job. Um, I was washing dishes, but now I am the hostess and hostesses in a very busy restaurant. Well, they're lucky to have you. <laughs> I think. Um, some of the people think so. I think. <laughs> Well, it's nice, uh, you know, you, you spent years on the road, so it's cool to hear that you're settling down. Oh, my God, this is the first time I've been on a lease or, like, had a job with, like, taxes on it in, like, 14 years, maybe. Wow. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> You've avoided it that long. That's awesome. That's, that's yeah, inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> it took, like, effort to get off the road. You're on the road long enough and, like... It just becomes the easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah, it's just, that's your reality. That's life. <laughs> so, um, all right. I want to start just talking about Rainbow. I want to ask you a question. I ask a lot of the people on the show. What brought you to your first gathering? Um, so, do you count, like, um, Rainbow uh, drum circles as a gathering? or? Sure, if that's a... Uh, in your heart, your first one, for, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's my first exposure to, like, people saying this is a rainbow thing or whatever. Yeah, well, um, that's what brought you, right? So, yeah, sounds like the correct yeah. answer to me. <laughs> um, so, in La Jolla, uh, San Diego, the Black Beach Drum Circle was probably the first rainbow event that I ever attended. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's, like, at the bottom of a cliff, and it's, it's almost like a two-mile hike. You're zigzagging back across the cliff. And um, then you're at the beach. There's no uh, road access to the beach, so the cops can't really roll up on you. And oh, hundreds nice. of people rage every moment. I think I've heard of that. I've never attended myself. How did you find out about it? Uh, I lived in San Diego for a couple of years on and off, and you just like eventually learned about all the biggest parties in town. Like you do, like one does. Well, <laughs> So at this drum circle, that's when you found out 
about this uh, rainbow thing. <laughs> sort of, yeah. This glorified potluck that we do in the woods. I didn't understand like what the hell rain- rainbow was or whatever, um, or why they were calling it that. And eventually, I met somebody who was passing out flyers for an Arizona uh, 420 gathering, I think. And um, so that was the my first introduction to the idea that this isn't just a Southern California thing; like they do it elsewhere. So, what was your first gathering after that? I think probably the New Mexico Nationals. And I think it's 2008, or it might be 2009. Yeah, I think um, 2008 sounds about right. One of those two. Yeah. <laughs> Usually we have our rainbow encyclopedia around, but we don't have him today. <laughs> oh, yeah, where's Pitten? Oh, you know, just doing other stuff. I think he's working today. Pinch that thing on. <laughs> it's the girls' show today, right? It's me <laughs> and my friend Phoebe. <laughs> Um, how would you describe a rainbow gathering to someone who's never been? Um, um, like, kind of like chaos, but also organization, um, lots of good food, probably good pot, um, and some really nice people, some really crazy people, and <laughs> probably some meanness walking around talking to trees. <laughs> Don't talk about me like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, and the setting is like tends to be a national forest and um, usually very, very beautiful places, sometimes not easily livable. Like, I remember um, the Montana National, which is around when I met you. And it snowed on summer solstice. Oh, yeah, I was there. I made pancakes in the snow. And, like, a lot of people who are from places where it doesn't snow are, like, too cold to move. And I'm like, this is this snow bunny's time to shine. <laughs> like, made coffee and pancakes. And I'm like, y'all are pussies. <laughs> but it was, like, the first time in my life that I've ever experienced, hey, first day of summer, here's two inches of snow on it. Oh, yeah. You know what was remarkable to me was I, I noticed that there was these flowers, and then after it snowed, the flowers were still there. And I just know, like, usually a frost will kill them. And I'm like, these are some resilient flowers. <laughs> Don't yeah, mind Montana the crazy, crazy Montana weather. Yeah, Montana is tough as shit. Yeah. I definitely, I woke up with my tent collapsed on me from the snow. It wasn't even my tent. It was a tent someone was letting me squat in because they were... <laughs> They were in town. <laughs> yep, I remember. Um, so wait, I camped up by um, Shining Light that year. I don't know if you were anywhere near. I actually was. I was in between Shining White and uh, Magic uh, Bowl, Magic Bowl. Uh, they were calling it at that gathering. Okay. Yeah, I have an idea of where that was. I think. Yeah. Well, I was kind of just floating around, but that's where the abandoned tent was. <laughs> I was squatting in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after I wasn't, uh, uh, after the cops found out people were in the um, cabin. I don't know who those people were in those cabins, but that's what they told me. And then I was like, oh, shit, I need to find somewhere else to sleep. Not that I knew who was there. Um, yeah. I think there were, there were like abandoned mines there. That yeah, yeah, I saw them. That's where I saw a bunch of undercover cops roll in. It was crazy. 
So I drove up into that that section of the forest once, and I had a huge rock thrown at me by this crazy dude who had like I think he drove up with us from Boulder, and um, and yeah, he drove up with us from Boulder, and then he just like totally flipped down on me and tried to throw a rock at my car. Like when I say rock, it's like a volleyball size. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, taking the wing nuttery a step away from, a step further from talking to trees. <laughs> yeah. It's not Throwing rocks. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, that's not how you stack rocks, brother. <laughs> I've never seen him at, at a gathering after. Huh. Well, that's probably good, then. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. So tell us about this project you've been working on. Uh, oh, your okay, comic yeah, books? I'm here, I'm here tonight to promote a Halloween anthology comic book called 13th Moon. And it is seven stories, 52 pages, and a really, really cool team that has been working with me almost all year. And uh, we're trying to raise $2,400 on kickstarter.com you can go to kickstarter and look up 13th moon halloween anthology um kickstarter.com look up halloween anthology 13th moon halloween anthology okay 13th moon halloween anthology kickstarter.com yeah and i think we were up to like thousand dollars and one thousand forty four dollars when i called you to get on the show awesome so you yeah, still have a long like way to go. And we need to raise like fourteen hundred more dollars. Well. Uh can you give us a little uh, a little taste of what it's about? Get us interested? Oh my god. It is so much fun. Actually, so there's like four like I said, um seven different stories. And so some of them are four pages long and I think three or four of them are four pages long. One of them is a single page long. Um, but the main story is the cover story, um, and it is about Lucy, who is one of the devil's daughters, and she has been locked in hell for forever, and she kind of finds a way to escape, and teams up with this heavy metal band, and um, it's really, really good. Uh, she's a guitarist herself, and that one is actually a comedy book. Um, the... The rest of the other six tales are more like horror, morbid kind of stories, but Lucy and the Doombringers, that cover story, is really, really funny. Um, and so, okay, uh, Chris McCauley, who colored, I think, at least half of the book, um, he is an Irishman who lives in Canada these days. He's probably the most um, experienced professional comic book uh, artist that I work with on my one two three yo publications team. Uh, he he's done coloring for two thousand AD. He's done some coloring for Marvel. He's worked with uh, what's his name, Todd McFarlane. He's definitely more experienced with um, the professional end of the book industry than I am personally. But um, so he has a story that's called Dracula, Lord of the Future, and it is because Chris made an arrangement with. Um, if I'm pronouncing this right, with Dacre, D-A-C-R-E, um, Doker, who is the 
uh, heir to the Stokes estate, from what I understand, and controls um, the, the remaining of Bram Stoker's work and I think negotiates probably movies and books or what, whatever. Um, their, their family is uh, right to some claim whenever someone's using Dracula's name. Well, Chris negotiated a contract with that guy, who's wow. apparently really cool. And our Dracula is canon, or like Bram Stoker's Dracula. So, I mean, I know it's generations later, but like our Dracula is the Dracula. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. It's a cool piece of um, history. <laughs> um, Chris, well, yeah, I didn't even know until Chris told me this that Bram Stoker was an Irishman. And uh, I learned more about him because through in his writing and from, from knowing Chris. Um, Chris is also a mason and just like works very, very hard and knows all sorts of weird shit that I would have never imagined. Is there a a place that we can see some of his artwork, like online or something? Yeah, if you went to the Kickstarter, you could see that. Um, also, I think if you just Googled him, maybe. Um, I don't know where to um, On my Instagram, has some of, some of it there. Um, one two three go publications on Instagram. One two three go publications on yep. Instagram. Yep, that's me and my comic book. And okay. I know some of Chris's work is up there. Um, I think one of the Dracula paintings is on there. So is it a, is it in bad form to ask you to give us a piece of the story, like to read some of it, or would you rather just wait? So I'm actually just adding the letters to that one tonight. I was working on that while you and me were messaging about um, doing the show. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited to see how it turns out for sure. That particular story I'm saying, I was doing the letters on. I have mostly other ones going. Um, like if I sent you a something through the internet right now, can you post it somewhere? Uh yeah, I could I could post I could post a, uh, like a link to it on a a Facebook post when I put up the show. Oh, all right, Maybe. yeah, no, I could. Or I could like right now, promo <laughs> images and stuff. Cool. Um, How long yeah. have you been uh, writing comic books? Um, all right, so I probably first started when I was like ten, maybe, <laughs> and that comic book I drew myself and maybe did five pages on. Um, but I didn't start doing it seriously again until like five years ago. What are what are your uh what what's one of your favorite comic books that you you've been working on other than the one you're working on now? Um, okay, my favorite I think is Trouble, um, and it's like a comedy action one, and she is in the twenty four fifties, and she is a retired marine who just wants to relax and work on her tan, and because she, her ex-boyfriend is a local police sergeant, she always gets called into um, cleaning up after his inability to stop this crime wave. Cool. <laughs> yeah, and the first five, and then it's five issue limited series that we're doing about, is about her versus like these crazy giant robotic squirrels. How many, how many issues are there of that story so far? There will be five so far. Only the first one is out. Oh. And is that is that an ongoing project? Like. Um. Yes. Cool. Yes. Um. So we're 
working on issue two of that right now. And we have, um, that's actually, that one will have a um, story within a story in it. And uh, it is like, she in the issue number two will be at a comic convention and she picks up a copy of her favorite comic book. And then the next four pages are pages from within that comic book. So you're like, with the comic in your hand, you're like, they're holding the comic book. Very meta. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and her um, her favorite comic book is called Okomaru Sakino, and that um, is purple, what is the name, like troublesome pur- purple or mischievous purple in, um, in Japanese, Nihongo. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, she's just this mischievous purple kitty, and she lives at a Zen temple, and it's kind of nice. Yeah. I hope so. I think so. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like fun. Thank you. Oh, I meant to ask, so is that Pam doing, like, the Bjork sister stuff up top? Yes, it is, yeah, during our breaker. It's good to hear her She loves her Bjork impression. <laughs> <laughs> she works it into her stand-up, but she thinks it doesn't work, but it's it all depends on who the audience is. <laughs> right. <laughs> And when no, no one and when no one laughs at it, she blames it on their age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're too young to understand that. <laughs> <laughs> I must have a few years of her. I'm closer to her than you to her. Yeah, she just had a birthday. She just had her birthday celebration. Here. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah, for if any of my friends are listening, um, I have done stand-up comedy with these ladies at their birthday party before. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was I was thinking about like uh, digging into the old uh, happy hours and trying to find which one that we were both on. Oh, <laughs> uh, wait, here at the um, here at Mutiny. At the, yeah, no shit. Yeah, we did uh, like around this time last year, I think, or like around March last year or something. Um, not last um, year. I don't know. April. You know, COVID is really messing with my mind. Yeah, <laughs> April no, 2018 or 2019? <laughs> April 2019, I think you did. Yes, it was April 2019. Happy, Happy hour. Happy <laughs> yeah, I was thinking if, if it, <laughs> like, maybe I could play you out with the, I haven't found it yet, but I, <laughs> we have I access I to it. I think I had a good clip there, to be honest, um, if I remember correctly. I don't think I yeah. Like well, it's easy to feel like you bomb here because the comedians don't really like react to other comedians, and then and most most of the audience is online yeah. listening. You know, yeah, I guess no, it prepares us for Zoom shows in a way. What were you saying? I'm saying, and it is just twelve comedians jammed in a tiny, tiny room. Like there's no other audience. Yeah. Well, now because of COVID, we've been doing outdoor shows. The neighbors actually came and they um asked, one of the neighbors asked us to do some kind of show, like in you know in the midst of the COVID because they wanted entertainment. So we found a like a safe way to do it with like mic condoms and if you, you know you bring your own mic if you have it, and all the audience is just standing around on the street far away from each other. And we didn't really promote it; it was just for the people in the neighborhood. You know, right. so it uh, it actually, in a way, the mics were a lot better because there was an actual audience and they wanted to be entertained. And it was really cool because they would like uh, they'll sit in their cars or like look through the window or sit on their porch. 
So did, did anybody ever try the microphone approach during that point in COVID? What do you mean the microphone approach? Uh, I mean megaphone. Oh, megaphone. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, I think, like, if everyone had their own megaphone, a lot of outdoor open mics could be cool. Yeah, if everyone has it. Yeah, that makes sense. We, we've we just been, like, you know, because there has been, like, you know, like, I'm a swag hippie that um does <laughs> still goes to open mics in the park now that they start. But we take precautions, like, uh, like mic covers and hand sanitizer. I found out spraying Lysol on the mic doesn't really work because you can't really hear the person <laughs> in the first few minutes. But, you know, some people bring their own. And, like, you know, everyone's socially distant in the park. And, like, so when you're using that microphone with the mic condom on it, do you wear a mask, too? I was. I, yeah, I do. I should say, rather. And then, you know, I have to make bits about wearing the mask because I'm wearing one. One person came up to me after the show uh, here and said, like, complimented me. Like, he, he has seen, like, most of my stuff because I was doing the show here a while. And he said that I had the ability to show expression even with my mask on. Mm. And, cap and like, he re really didn't see that with many people. But for me, like, you know, it didn't matter that I was wearing a mask. And I was like, yeah, wow, I didn't even think that people, you know, were no, you know what I mean? I didn't even think about, like, he said it was hard because, you know, people really need to see facial, resp you know. Yeah, no, you gotta use your um your eyebrows and your your whole your whole forehead and a little bit of scrunch in your nose can sign different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is different with a mask on for sure. Yeah, and especially because I wear glasses, so I start talking and then my glasses fog up, and then I have to put it on the top of my face, and then I'm like, "Wow, wearing this mask is making me touch my face twice as much." <laughs> <laughs> We're also, like, talking about COVID, like, almost as of the past tense, but it is still killing, like, a thousand people. Oh, yeah. So it's still really real. I'm, you know, trying to keep up with, like, being, you know, the healthy, the health uh, procedures of trying to safely still do share mics with people. But I feel like here in the Bay, at least, um, a lot of the comics that have still been doing open mics are just the same people so in a way we've like made our own covid pod yeah yeah but that doesn't mean i, I you know i still try to wear a mask and put con like there's been different tactics it's interesting like um people put plastic bags over uh, like i did an outdoor show where that was the procedure everyone grabbed their own plastic bag you had to have a mask on and then you can still hear people through the plastic bag but some people need to learn to project I think they need to go to gatherings, so you make announcements in the woods, you learn how to raise your voice for <laughs> for people. So the plastic bag is the mic condom in that instance? In that sense, yeah, and then plastic gloves, and then actual, like, mic covers. That's what we hear have here at uh, Mutiny. Uh, somebody donated a bunch of mic covers, so everybody just, like grabs their own one you know so we try not to do that and if you the smart thing is to bring your own mic like i'm doing a show in pacifica and thursday and that was a requirement it was like you have yeah. to have your own mic and a lot of shows are like making people get covid tested before they even come and like prove that um what about like the asshole who's sneezing in the audience though you didn't get covid tested what about the what in the audience <laughs> The asshole who's sneezing in the audience, I bet he didn't get COVID tested. 
Yeah, well, that's why we, everyone has to be socially distant that, um, uh, you know, watches the show. It's It's been well, really interesting to see, like, the the adaptations that we've been doing. Like, there, there's a comedy club that just opened. Well, the grand opening is going to be soon, but they had some pre-shows in Alameda. And uh, they started building it before, you know, this pandemic, like, really took effect in, in the States, you know. And uh, so they had to reevaluate the way that they did everything. So they created an outdoor space where all the tables were six feet apart and they can do an outdoor show like before they even finish the inside. So that you know, to try to adapt. Uh, I, I, I got to go to one of the shows. It was really um, cool. It was really interesting, uh, to say the least. And they t- check everyone's temperature before the door um, before they walk in. But man, what a what a hard time to start a business, especially when your business is like getting people together <laughs> in a room. Yeah, no, socialization, yeah. And then all the other shows that have been happening are just um for a long time there wasn't there was only to go they were encouraging us to take alcohol, drink it on the street instead of <laughs> instead um, of in the bar. Of course you can't go in. And uh so they started building parklets parklets to you know that to serve to still be able to serve people but you have to serve food if you're if if, to even so like bars that have never served food before are starting to serve food just so they can stay open and have these parklets open and there's been some um there's been some shows at those like there's one down the street here that pam puts together at asiento and uh there's one on the the milk bars doing doing some too man eric at the milk bar has always been so kind to the comedian in the com- the comedy commu- community here, so shout out to Eric <laughs> from Milk Bar. But it's just it's and it's such a big there's a, it, it's a big contested thing too because there's so many people that it, it's it kind of like Rainbow Gatherings. It's like a lot of people chose not to gather this year. They chose not to expose themselves, but you can't stop everybody. So there's a lot of comedians that are like, oh, doing outdoor shows is wrong. Like, doing an open mic in the park is wrong. Like, I'm going to stay here. You guys, Like, shame on you guys for even doing that. And then other people are like, are you telling me I can't go to the park, dude? <laughs> like, there's already people in the park. <laughs> like, you know, so it's it's been a... It's it's like the new comedy war. There you, there was a comedy civil war. This is the new comedy civil war. Yeah, there's always got to be something controversial going on in a comedian scene. Yeah, definitely. I, I I see a lot of mirrors of the uh, rainbow and and comedy. Yeah. Hey, Roach, you want to cue another song? Yeah, sure. All right, I got a. Oh, this is. What Lilikai? Is that how you say forty seven? Oh, uh, uh, Lakele forty seven. Lakele forty seven. Miss me. Now I'll get that started. Word. Thank you. Clip. 
Okay, that was. How did you say pronounce again? Hold on a second, you're not on yet. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back with our special guest in just. Uh, I want to say forty-five seconds or less. Or your money back that's for sure all right so what were you saying uh th about the song okay so yeah that was Michaela 47 um and that is an artist who our mutual friend Kamali introduced me to um Kamali introduced me to a lot of cool female rap artists and trap artists that I would have never listened to except for Kamali's exquisite taste in rap she has exquisite taste in most everything. <laughs> Food, music, the company she keeps. What an amazing mm -hmm. person. Uh, the company they keep. Yeah, Kamali identifies as Billy Bob. Yeah. I'm um, glad I caught myself. <laughs> Too late, but I try. No, it's supporting and loving our friends is important. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, Kamali's um, taste in rap music is exquisite. Maybe it's because they're from Philly. <laughs> Perhaps that could be part of it. Uh, so shout out to Kamali if they're listening. <laughs> yeah. Happy for them and Joel and the whole family. I know they just got a new house, but they're all working. Yeah. What a what a lovely family. <laughs> I'm glad they're part of our family. <laughs> 
So yeah, you picked the you picked the entire playlist today, and I'm excited to hear what other um, jams you have later on in yep. the show. These are some of my songs. Okay, so the first one, um, Big Moon, Your Life. Um, that's kind of been my jam for like two weeks now. They are. Um, I'm just listening a little bit to the Vienna Clay as far as other tracks of theirs. But since it's 13th Moon and the band is your uh, Big Moon, I'm thinking that's a good synchronicity. So among the many things, uh, the many talents of Phoebe Xavier, uh, one of them, you're also an MC, hmm. right? Is I that correct? I, I, I did some research, <laughs> and by research, <laughs> I mean talking to you. <laughs> but yeah, if you did the research, like, I've rapped for you, like, 20 uh, times at least. Yeah. Um, how long How long were you doing that? What got, what got you into, what, what was your passion for rapping? Okay, so um, I guess as a kid, I listened to a lot of rap music uh, in... Probably like from sixth grade to ninth grade is when I got most into rap over other things. But I was really into Tribe Called Quest back then. And um, friends of mine, like I went to a suburban high school outside of Philadelphia. And um, friends of mine came and we would pass around like mixtapes and dub tapes of uh, different hip hop shit that like it was, um, it was the cool like underground. It was almost like punk to be a white kid into hip-hop at that stage in my life. <laughs> um, and so I got into rap back then, and I started rapping maybe in, like, 1998. Yeah, hip-hop is punk as fuck, I think. Yeah, no, a lot of it, uh, aspects of hip-hop are punk as fuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> being rebellious and anti-conforming. But that's, that's a certain level of hip-hop, because then later on, the last 20 years of hip-hop have been a whole lot of, like, hey, do this, like dress this particular way and act this particular way to fit the norm or whatever. So, but I think old school hip hop is ill as shit and that's probably what inspired me to start rapping. Do you have a, a like a, a really fond tour memory from your rapping days? Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I have, a, I have a million memories, obviously. But, um, <laughs> So there was a time though that we were doing a um, an open mic. I think it was like an uh, open what is it called mixed mic where it's like musicians, comedians, and everything. Yeah. And so we're doing an open mic, mixed mic in Phoenix, Arizona. We had traveled there from San Diego, and I forget um, how many days we were in town or what the hell where we where we were staying. But I just remember that when they called me to the stage. Um, getting around all the tables to get to the stage seemed, like, way too difficult. So I ran down, like, this adjacent hallway where, like, there were, like, shutters that opened up onto the stage and was like, oh, I'll just pop out through there. <laughs> and, like, as I, as I went through the shutters onto the stage, I think, like, I almost knocked over a speaker but then just fell and, like, tore my pants and skinned my leg. But then, like, run around and somehow didn't fall over and stood up just in time to grab the mic from the host. It was just like, hey, that's a little trick I do. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ta-da! <laughs> oh my god, I, alright, so I did the same thing this week at work almost. 
um, with the, like, playing it off as if it was on purpose. I was standing there at the host stand, Mitch, and a fucking squirrel jumped on my shoulder. Whoa! Like, dude, six feet! Six feet! Yeah, I know, exactly. But from somewhere above me, a squirrel decided my shoulder was the next branch it needed to hop onto before it hit the ground. (laughs) And yeah, and so, and this is in front of our whole restaurant. Like, so, like, 80 people saw this happen, and there was, like, a murmur of, like, shock and amazement. And I knew, like, they were all just going to be staring at me for the next three minutes if I didn't do something. So I just turned around and cursed them. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> it worked! It worked! Um, Pam Benjamin just walked in. Hey, Pam, I just want to let you know that Phoebe digs your Bjork impression. <laughs> Bjork sister. Bjork sister. Bjork. Yeah, yeah, Bjork's sister. <laughs> From the breaker. <laughs> but yeah, so now, um, I like, um, I like shit like that when shit sort of goes wrong, but like it, it somehow stays. Um, I remember there was a time in, um, Fort Worth that we were performing with imaginary friends and somebody else, oh, um, Molly, my friend Bob Perryman. But um, this one band, like, I think their equipment wasn't working, the sound wasn't working, so somebody grabbed one, oh, so yeah, the turntable for the band that was about to go on wasn't working, so somebody grabbed the microphone for a beatboxing, and then I just got up there, and then I rapped for, like, two or three minutes. Actually, I had already performed those things, but I rapped, like, two or three minutes of shit um, from a different song that I hadn't performed. And sort of, like, gave the moment of, like, oh, they fixed the equipment in the three minutes that you gave us to, like, not think about how the whole show was fucked up. Yeah. Um, the show must go on. Live performance is a whole bunch of that. Like, having everything fall apart, but then somehow taping it all back together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Live entertainment. You know, it's the difference between theater and cinema. <laughs> cinema, you just... You you portray the things that you capture perfectly, but live entertainment is like, oh, we gotta roll with the microphones off, so now I'm gonna yell uh, jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't get like six or seven seconds to like be like, all right, let's do this instead, and let me just pause and be horrified. It's like, no, you better be entertaining if you're being horrified. Be entertainingly horrified. <laughs> that describes your comedy pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, so um, you've also you've done a lot of interviews with with uh, inter- different entertainers. I have our, our our mutual friend Vermin Supreme. I did an interview with him. Yeah, yeah. You asked him about Nick at Night, right? Yeah, well, he was part of Nick at Night for like, yeah. a gathering. <laughs> for like one gathering, yeah. <laughs> I at that gathering, I didn't even smoke cigarettes, but I got one from uh, <laughs> I got one from Vermin, who also doesn't smoke cigarettes, but. Like, I just remember the way that I met him was like so nonchalant. He helped us cook. He hopped in on my kitchen and like helped me cook this dinner. And then like <clears throat> after he helped and ate some and was walking away, Finch was like, "Oh, peace, Vermin." And I was like, "Hey, don't call that guy Vermin. He was kind of nice." <laughs> <laughs> and Finch was like, "Nah, dude, that's Vermin Supreme." 
That's his legal name. <laughs> Vermin <Yeah>. Love Supreme. <laughs> well, without the boot, I just didn't recognize him. He was just a nice guy. And yeah, that boot really transforms everything. <laughs> I was at the Republican National Convention, and before he put the boot on, no one said anything. He puts the boot on, and some random guy looks at me and goes, oh, my God, is, is that Vermin Supreme? And I was like, yes, you should go over and talk to him because he loves being recognized. <laughs> He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, go talk to him. And he was so excited. And I can see, like, you know, I can see Vermin's face light up, too. Like, well, yes, I am the Vermin Supreme. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. no, he, he's a really, really fun dude. Um, I, I think that, that interview is still up on YouTube that I did with him. Um, one of the other, like, biggest crazy, um, like, uh, semi-famous or globally famous people that I got to interview would be Noam Chomsky. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, wow. That one's on YouTube, too. And, but yeah, I got to interview Chomsky. Wow. So, to, like, underground rap stars and all that. What, what's a highlight from interviewing Noam Chomsky? Um, he had a really weird response to um, what I had to say about 9-11. <laughs> His response was like, "If 9/11 was fake, then they should have blamed, um, should have blamed Iraq, not the Saudis." And I think, and I saw that as a really weird, like, non-answer kind of. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like what I always say: if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, we should invade Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Iraq. Oh, I fucked it up. I fucked up the joke. But uh, <laughs> whoa, what was the question you asked him? Um, I forget exactly. I was a complete smartass about the way I asked him questions. It was like, um, uh, I said something about the Osama bin Laden. Um, Osama bin Laden, because it was after I think. Uh, right after uh, Obama had raided OBL and OBL was dead or whatever. So I think I said something about like the, um, the count that his beard was dyed and he had a porn collection. So where was his dialysis machine? Was it hidden under the porn collection or something? <laughs> and, yeah, and like he picked, I, I don't remember if that's a specific question that he um, responded in that way to, but he was very, very fun in general. Like he, he rolled with the that you've uh, interviewed what what were some of the highlights Um, and that show actually, we met, um, 
only for like two or three seconds, but I met Hannibal Burris at that show. Oh, cool. I got invited to the, the guy responsible for who, why Cosby's in jail. What's that? Hannibal Burris. Uh, he, he, you know, he started a catalyst that ended up with Cosby being j That's a different subject, but that's really cool that you met him. Oh, Bill Cosby? Yeah. No, yeah. I remember that he was the impetus to start that whole ball rolling. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's crazy, like, um, how comedians and comedy can really affect what's going on in the world. Like, we don't really think about it. We're, like, telling jokes, but, you know, yeah. people um, like Hannibal and Sasha Baron Cohen and, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, dude, there's a Borat sequel coming. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm a... I'm a big fan. <laughs> I'm not really a fan of Borat specifically, but just what Sasha Baron Cohen's able to do using humor in his um. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. Agree. Like, wow, you really can. Um, you know, when when you when you shed light to heinous things in a humorous way, you can like reach a broader perspective. People aren't like as defensive, you know. They're like, whoa, that's what's like that guy really thinks like that. I don't really want him in office. <laughs> Yeah, his TV show about, like, America Exposed or whatever. Yeah, Who is America? That was really good. So brilliant. And uh, that's scary because it's just, like, real people that really think that way. Yeah, he just exposes people for who they are using humor, and then, like, shit changes. Like, people get voted out of office. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, I know you're just like, and then I met Hannibal, and I went on this big tangent, <laughs> like yeah, how I like comedy can change the world. I was actually just listening to a podcast about um, oh um, what is his name? Silvio Bull, the the Prime Minister of Italy, not the okay. current one, but uh the 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 like billionaire that had a bunch of uh was like really corrupt like people were wondering where he got it. he owned all these tvs and all this media so he like was able to just portray himself as like you know like how perfect he is but there was another media channel where like a comedian on his show had an interview with a journalist who was like where is this money coming from and like started to take him down and you know they lost their job but it was like another example of like wow look this comedian <laughs> who's just like let's have on this guest like really like was able to shed light to like look what's really going on in these corrupt politics. Okay, similar um, or, or or a parallel that I want to draw attention to, and maybe it's not comedians um, that expose this or whatever. But okay, do you know who Mark Barnett is? Uh, no. He's the guy, guy who uh, produced and created The Apprentice. Oh. Um, I believe that is a show that the um, the Cheetolini um, POTUS guy was. Mm -hmm. starring on right that show the apprentice well mark barnett had spent the two years before he launched the apprentice uh in talks with putin because he wanted to do a reality tv show about putin putin strung him along for two years about maybe making this uh tv show with barnett until finally he decided no i don't want to do this show but i have this great idea where you go to america back to america and make a tv show Make it look like Donald Trump is a billionaire, even though we know he's like $4 million in debt. <laughs> and so for 10 years, at Putin's command, Mark Barnett helped trust, trust wash and like sort of billionaire wash 
it tricks all these Americans into thinking, oh, he's a successful fucking CEO. He has a billion dollars because he says he's a billionaire. No, he's not a fucking billionaire. He's $400 million in debt to the fucking Russian mafia. So, yeah, sidebar, whatever. Oh, it's it's all the same social. It, it's not too much of a sidebar. It really is all the same social circle. Like, um, like Putin was a part of these like sex parties that this this um the Italian uh, what is his name Silvino. Right. I need just need to look it up because I don't feel like I'm gonna butcher his name. I, it's like something with a B, right? Yeah, but Belvini. Yeah, Salvino. But I also wouldn't try to say it, like pronounce it without reading it and like listening to the Google. <laughs> yeah, I know. Google? I just suck at pronouncing people's names. <laughs> I've oh, known you for so long, and I was so like, wait a minute, am I pronouncing your name right? <laughs> you know, the, well, that was the funny thing about doing open mics. Would be like the third time that I've done someone's mic, and they still say my name as um, Xavier, CB Xavier, instead of Xavier. And be like, all right, so I make it a point to say my name at the beginning and the end of each set in front of you so you can politely maybe adjust to pronounce my name right. Oh. Or don't, you know, or don't. <laughs> it's, it's pretty rare that people mispronounce my name, but whenever it happens, I just, like, keep going. I don't even care. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to waste, like, 30 <laughs> seconds of my time up here. <laughs> like, correct. Like, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, anytime it happens, I'm like, I guess it's my turn to get my name mispronounced. It doesn't really happen very often. For me, I think it's just funny to hear people call you Rachel when, like, I call you Rach. And I think once or twice that I called you Rachel and felt weird in my mouth. And so <laughs> oh, dude, I know what you mean. So I, uh, when I was at Burning Man, actually, uh, I was doing an open mic with uh, they 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 let you do, go to center camp and do an open mic there, but you have to sign up really early, and they you they give you a whole hour, you know, because it's for anybody. It's mostly you know like musicians or like storytellers and stuff. Um, so me and Jai, uh, from Roadkill Cafe, like he's a musician, and uh, you know I'm a comedian. So we were like, well, if we do this in tandem, we can fill a whole hour. So we like put, we were like, put. He's like, what should our name be? And you know, like Jai and um, Professor was there, and they've known me as Roach for years and years. And I was like, okay, well, my stage name is Rachel Penson. And both of them at the same time were like, that's your real name. <laughs> I'm like, yes, but it's also my stage name. <laughs> we went with the name Jai Love and Jokes. And I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> and then I'm like, this is Jai Love. I'm the joke. Ha <laughs> ha. But it was a, it was like one of my favorite like performances, really. Like, just I think of Rachel Pinson as her stage name too, though. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. The world is a stage, and I was born with this stage name. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> the Roach for short, you know. <laughs> I, I'm Phoebe Xavier, and I endorse this one. <laughs> It's not my dead name. It's my stage name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's on the bill. <laughs> oh, man. So, <laughs> we were talking about your... Well, we, we got... Uh, we did, <laughs> The conversation got derailed a little bit in a good way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we were talking about uh, the people that you've interviewed... So if people want to um, 
hear, you said they were on YouTube, so if people want to hear some of the interviews that you've done, um, where can they find them? I think both the Berman Supreme interview and the Noam Chomsky interview are both on YouTube. I think the Noam Chomsky interview is listed as Professor Anarchy versus Professor Chomsky. And I think that the Berman Supreme one might be similarly, no, it's Planet CB. Hashtag Planet CB, Berman Supreme is what you would search for that one. Also, other interviews that I've done are on urbanvacancypress.com or dot .net. Is um, that, the, what was that called, urban what? Urban Vacancy Press. And I'm going to pull it up on my um, computer right now to give you the co correct URL. Okay. So that's uh, that's who who you were doing these interviews for? Yes, exactly. Um, okay, uh, that was my next question. <laughs> it is a young woman named Hope Alvarez, and she runs it out of, I think, um, Austin or Dallas. But I, I had to leave the that writing team because she changed the, the publication to be um, strictly about Texas, whereas when I wrote for her, it was about any news of anywhere in America. Oh, and then she was like, "Nope, Texas is the Lone Star. We don't need those other. <laughs> we don't yeah. need those other musicians and those other places." <laughs> well, I think um, it, um, managing the workload and having as many free uh, freelance people as me offering work to her that she was like, "Well, let's do it." If you're in Texas, I don't want to tackle 48 states of people just submitting. Um, okay, it's urbanvacancypress.com. There she is. UrbanVacancyPress.com. Yeah, and if you search by Phoebe or Planet Phoebe, um, you should be able to find four or five articles that I've done. Yeah, articles of interviews. Then also you can find them on YouTube. Sorry. Is there like a specific okay. YouTube I I channel? I, hold on, I think I put your name. It's Faith Alvarez. And forgive me, Faith. Faith, um, those names are similar. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it is what it is. Oh yeah, you know, I'm just trying to get your your messages out there <laughs> for the listeners out in Mutiny Radio Land and all the rainbows yeah. and stuff. <laughs> and yeah, definitely Google UrbanVacancyPress.com because we have a lot of good stuff going on there. Um, I um. I want you to also go to kickstarter.com and look up 13 Saloon Halloween Anthology and chip in a few dollars if you can. Yeah, definitely. And I'll make sure, like, at the end of the show, we'll plug it back in. Yeah, so people oh, have, a, have a chance to write that information down. You called into the first show. You called into the first Always Free show. I called into the first one ever? Yeah, you did. Oh, I didn't know that was the first one. That was the first one ever. It was funny because I was like uh, trying to figure out how I'm going to do this show. So I was just reading an article live, which I found later it's easier to record them before. But So I'm like reading an article and um, the phone number for the first show got spammed to a lot of people. So it was just like I kept like getting the 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 reading kept getting interrupted with calls, which I thought was great because I feel like, you know, like a live person talking. Like, you know, I can always read from a book or an article, but, you know, it was nice. So, <laughs> yeah, you were ta talking about your comic books and you plugged something in the first show. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's awesome. I, I don't know if I called in or not. I was texting 
you guys on the night that Kamali first hit. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did, yeah. I didn't see it until later because I was focused I on I actually it. texted that Kamali should play La Kale 47. And I didn't mean on the ukulele. I meant, like, play a track like that. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it, it came across as, like, Katie, I don't know how to play that yet. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> what are you talking about, Katie? Let me play these songs that are known Because I just think that uh, when I think of playing things on the radio, I think of playing songs um, that are recorded on it. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I play a lot of um, songs that were recorded at Rainbow Gatherings here. And then pe and then when people from Rainbow Gatherings record music, I try to play those too. But, you know, this is the special Phoebe episode. <laughs> you guys had a glorious jam that night, actually. Oh, oh man, you should have. We uh, we had a lobster party. We dubbed it Lobster Day, and then afterwards we had a, a uh, Hannah H Hannah Marie Hannah Gladstone came over, and we like really had like you know off the air had a great <laughs> session. Amazing musician. Oh my yeah. gosh, I know. I've been trying to get them on the show, <laughs> and they're they're in Oakland, but they're so you know they're like I don't want to bother them. <laughs> You know, but I'm like, I've asked, I've asked already, you know, so I'm like, but I would think it would be amazing, especially if, she, if they wanted to come on here and talk about their, um, the Black Banjo Reclamation Project and play some music. I mean, they said they might come on before, but then I like saw them in person and was like, come on, <laughs> but I don't want to be too pushy. But if for some yeah. reason, if Hannah Marie, Hannah Gladstone is listening, we really want you on the show. <laughs> you should totally please come on to her You please, please play your music. You're amazing. Oh yeah, well thank you. I I the only time I've ever played any of my music is when Tanali um uh, was uh Kamali. Sorry, Tanali's the uh, the guy that does the recordings. <laughs> Who I often play his their recordings. Um, Sounds of the Rainbow. So I got their names Tanali and Kamali. But uh, yeah, the only time I did it was when Kamali um requested oh look we got a request for a song right now from phoebe i'm gonna play uh the gorillas with super organism remix yeah yeah all right so we're gonna continue with phoebe's choice playlist the special phoebe episode yeah here we go all right Cause right now that's the ball where we betray And if you're coming back to find me You better have good aim Shoot it true I need you in the pictures Set myself to get back on track. 
That was the Gorillas. We're going to play another song and then we'll be back with more of the Phoebe Xavier exclusive interview here at Mutiny Radio on the Always Free podcast. This is Sigrid Strangers.
All right, that was uh, Sigrid, Strangers. And we're still doing an exclusive e <laughs> interview with Phoebe Xavier. Phoebe, are you there? I think Phoebe is taking a break, but we'll be back momentarily. It says you're here. But we can't hear you. <laughs> Phoebe, come back. <laughs> Okay, so well, we can play another song while we're waiting. Hmm. Oh, I know what it is. All right, we can hear you now. We can hear you now. It was just a technical difficulty on my end. It's all good. You're back. And there's no such thing as dead air here at Muni Radio. Murphy killed it. <laughs> Hey, do I get to try out my new material? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so, yes, hit, hit us with some comedy. All right, so, um, I do do the comedies a little bit. Um, <clears throat> all right, so, uh, now that I'm back in a, a certain place and settled back in Philadelphia, I'm stable and I'm able to date again, so... I'm dating a pothole between 49th and 50th on Cedar. <laughs> Her name is Francesca. She's curvy in all the right places. <laughs> I'm not into public sex as much as she is. But with her, it's kind of a given. Because, you know, she's a pothole on a public street. <laughs> she also got me into other extreme sex stuff, like gaping. But, uh... <laughs> It's not all about the sex, you know. My Francesca has depth. <laughs> and I was happy with her because it's a low-maintenance relationship. But I went by recently, and the city has filled her in behind my back. And now she's even got a little bump to her. So I drive home a different way now, in case the baby's up. <laughs> Hey, I'm still working on it, but it's fun to be able to tell a joke. Um, <laughs> all right, so here's this other one. This is a um, safe outlet for comedy and free speech. Exactly, right? We will joke workshop it on Monday. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm not trying to brag, but Kamala Harris texts me like three times a day. <laughs> and, I, and I'm so broke. I just respond to thirst trap text. I want to bite her damn phone now. <laughs> I had to Google what um, thirst trap was, but I thought I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's the newest material that I have on right now. Well, that's your new material. Give us some of your, uh, your hard hitters. You know, if you were going to do like a a hot five. Oh, what well, what would your what would your hot five be? Right, so I will do some of my jokes, I guess. Alright, so um so I got a babe. <laughs> which is good, which is nice. Um I took a I got a STI screener recently and um 
if you knew where this body has been, I, you'd be more surprised than me, uh, or as surprised as me, that I don't have, um, none of hepatitis, over three, over three on hepatitis, <laughs> um, no chlamydia, oh, I had that before, but we got rid of it, um, no syphilis, um, no gonorrhea, um, and no AIDS, and, uh, I don't think you have even any of those, um, waffles or whatever these real extreme horrific ones are. But yeah, what what came back to me as a surprise is I tested positive for herpes, um, which I had never known because I don't have outward uh, cases of it. Like I don't have sores on my mouth or my genitals. Uh, it doesn't recur uh, sporadically as, as it's supposed to with people that have the herpes. Um, I got to think about it. I have these rashes on my elbows that recur. Both of my elbows are scratching from my elbow halfway up my forearm, and it goes away and it comes back. I was thinking, could my elbows have herpes? Um, it sounds like maybe like biologically impossible, but this is just a PSA for no one to smoke weed with or make out with my forearm. Um, I don't know if that would be in my type five, but that's another one of the newer ones that I have. Um, right, Most of the audience doesn't here. know your old ones. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Is that? Most of the listening audience doesn't even know your old ones. This is true. All right. <laughs> so, um, you know, they say that a guy who has a fancy brand new sports car is compensating for something. Uh, well, last week, some guy driving down the street with a beaten up, busted out, uh, Plymouth K Reliant with one and a half flat tires, the windshield smattered, shattered, and uh, the muffler dragging along the road causing sparks and shit. I was like, that size kick must be huge. <laughs> so I saw this number. It was easy because of the podcast. <laughs> All right, so I was talking to uh, a friend of mine, and she was telling me some of the weird shit that these heterosexual people do. And uh, apparently her and her boyfriend used to be 69, and while he's going down on her, he shoves one, two, three, four, five, a whole fifth into her vagina while he's licking her clitoris. And as if that's not enough, while she's going down on him, gobbling his penis, she forces her entire fist into his ass. And, and I'm like, at that point, it's got to be at least like a 73, right? <laughs> yeah, I had some too. Um, all right, so um, I was staying with a friend a few months ago, and I was returning to the building, and there was a small crowd develop, uh, developing in front of the entrance of the building. There's only a single gate to get in, and I saw that there's a squirrel coming out the gate, and I was like, guys, 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 come down. That squirrel lives there. He just forgot his keys. <laughs> Is that the same squirrel that was trying to make dinner reservations at your restaurant? <laughs> yeah, the one that jumped on my shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know that. You know that squirrel. <laughs> Hold back. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so I have a new wardrobe for the number that I used to tell. I um 
shit. Your portal oh, jokes. Oh my portal. <laughs> oh shit. I built that belt. Oh. I'm a fan. <laughs> I know the good jokes. Alright, I'm trying to tell the portal jokes. I have been drinking, if you haven't noticed. Um, if I haven't been drinking. <laughs> I've been, when we play the song, that's when I've been getting more beer. But alright, so. Um, I almost died the other day in a freak uh, robot uh, dragon attack. But fortunately, there was a wizard standing by, and he opened a portal. And me and this random jumped through to Susie, and I thanked the wizard, you know, it was very nice of him. And the person, the random that came through, fucked it all up, and he was like, Hey, yeah, it's a good thing you opened up those portals. Like, with an F, portal, and I was like, ah. Do you understand how a fucking portal works? There's a doorway through space and time that opens to two different places. There's just a single portal in two different places of time. <laughs> Um, to better illustrate, like, what a portal is, a portal is like a vagina that is a doorway that simultaneously opens up to a woman's womb and a man's brain. <laughs> and if you can't fucking conjugate your words right, then maybe you deserve to die from a freak robot fucking dragon attack. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did not... I did have all of the parts of that one, but yeah, thank you for making me do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I got the concept. <laughs> I, I think, you know, I, I got to the end. It worked. Thank you. <laughs> Remember um, when, uh, oh, no, continue with your joke. What is it? I was just thinking uh, when you were in the city and we were doing uh, comedy together when we did uh, Sinning and Grinning at that free food church on Julian. Yeah. And the flag was in the background, so you went. <laughs> what was the flag exactly? It was like the um. Oh, the, the um YPG flag. Yeah. 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 Did I have a joke about the YPG flag? No, but you talked about it. You talked about yeah. that, and then um later I I was going to uh, grocery outlet bargain market and i saw the guy that like uh volunteers there one of the guys that volunteers there waving that flag just in the parking lot like randomly <laughs> it was oh. like he can't serve free food that day but he's just waving it like this was during covid that he was doing yeah. oh, wow. um, i mean it's, yeah <laughs> the ypg is a um mostly female um, militia in Syria, they're Kurds, they're Kurdish women that fight both Turkey and ISIS. And my, or excuse me, my friend Dan went to Syria and was part of like, there's an international force of mercenaries that shows up to train these women and work in concert with them in their efforts to both stop Turkey from encroaching into Syria and to stop the current um, or the last decade from the crisis. And so, yeah, my friend Dan went there, and that's why I knew the YPG flag. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a joke. It was more just a point of reference. You're like, you know what this flag is? <laughs> but I thought it was cool that this, this, this uh, church on Julian that does um, a comedy show once a month or, like, in the before times, <laughs> you know, before COVID. Um, it, like they they're like an anarchist church. They have anarchy flags and like love flags and pride flags and Black Lives Matter signs, and they just like feed people. 
And it was also the only church that would take in um, AIDS patients in the 80s. And oh, like like shit. cremate them. They were the only ones that would cremate them because people didn't want to go around their bodies, and they would uh, bury the ashes in the garden out front. Mm. Yeah, the AIDS garden. Holy but, shit! The garden where they hung out in front pot and drank beers in. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Uh, so that that I don't uh, that church. I think I did try try that, to make a joke about uh, um that night about the YBGs and I mentioned that Dan had taken me to uh, an open mic in Tampa and that I had made a joke like halfway through something about like um, my friend Dan in the audience has killed 13 people <laughs> and I just like let it I just let it like sit for a minute and then I was like but they were part of ISIS so it's cool <laughs> <laughs> like, he's killing for us man <laughs> And it was like, that's USA. Okay. Like, really, 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 I shot those bitches in the head. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All right. Do you, do you got any more jokes? Um, <laughs> Did, yeah. This is a roadblock. You got any jokes? <laughs> no, but you should tell me some of your new material. Some of my new material? Okay. Yeah, um. You know, at the beginning of COVID, everybody was talking about how we need to stock up on toilet paper. Stock up on toilet paper. Stock up on toilet We're going to run out, you know, and all the stores ran out. But nobody prepared me for how quickly I was going to go through batteries. You know, because I'm lonely. <laughs> Got them backordered on Amazon. But it's a really good time to... Uh, cut ties with a really clingy boyfriend you know it's like hey man if you're not gonna give me the hundred yards that the court recommended you can give me the six feet that the cdc recommends at least <laughs> <laughs> kind of settling more into mask culture it's kind of weird at first wearing a mask all the time then i realized that my boss can't smell my beer breath <laughs> uh, or maybe he can and that's why i lost my job <laughs> Uh, yeah, like, I guess those are my my new co COVID related jokes. It's all good. That was hilarious. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> I mean, I've I've got more like material I've been working on and stuff. I actually have a show this Thursday in Pacifica, nice. uh, an outdoor Wait, show. I got to bring your own mic. I was talking about it earlier. <laughs> I guess I can plug in my own stuff, right? I don't know, <laughs> like. <laughs> I don't consider this my show as much as I consider it our show for, like, Rainbow. But, yeah, I do have a show coming up in Pacifica this Thursday, socially distant, if you're in the area. If you want to come around, i got to bring my own microphone. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've actually written a, b a bunch more jokes um, since COVID started. But those are, like, the new, new, you know, like... <laughs> All right, yeah, I feel you. Um, also, I forgot to write like an extended list of my jokes to perform tonight, and you just had the new ones I wanted to try out. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> we can talk about whatever. Hey, I got a set in today. It was like three minutes or something. Here tonight, yeah. Uh, I wrote a couple one-liners since you've been in town. Like, um, I don't know if I love lesbians or just the way they taste. 
I got invited to a dinner party, but it wasn't a dinner party. It was actually the Donner party. <laughs> I wasn't going to stay, but there was still free food. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I'm just wor working on more cannibalism jokes, you know. <laughs> well, I was going to say, well, the reminding me a little bit of um, my, um, I imagine if we were both, a beaver and a lesbian, you would be constantly terrified <laughs> and or aroused. Yeah. <laughs> More Phoebe classics. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, shit, we have 20 more minutes coming up, right? Uh, yeah. Pretty Let's much play that. the other song, the second to last song. Okay. Oh, for more, please, my hostess. So this is uh, AJR, Bummerland. Yeah, AJR is a lot of fun. And this is a new song that is specifically like COVID, um, talking about being cooped up in COVID. I'm trying to get it to load. It's uh, being difficult right now. <laughs> I really like um, AJR, though. You should look up more of their songs. It's not wanting to load. Um, YouTube is really weird here, because, uh... Yeah. Oh, that could be on Spotify, too, if you can go through Spotify. Oh, uh, yeah, I can try. <clears throat> uh... <laughs> and I will, um... I, I was gonna entertainingly pick my nose, but you guys can see that at home. And... To think of some more of my jokes. No more I have stuff in my head. Oh, I have some cannibalism stories. Um, so... Old, yeah, let's know, stay on topic. <laughs> every fight is a food fight and they're cannibal. But I'm like, that's not true. I mean, what if we're a wrestling RPG? I mean, this scenario, I'm a cannibal. But what kind of monster would you eat R2D2? <laughs> <laughs> right, sorry. <laughs> you know the band, The Black Keys? Yeah. Do you think that they call themselves that because they want to finger minors? Oh, no. <laughs> I forgot. I wrote oh. that one joke too. <laughs> you know the song "Move, Bitch, Get Out of the Way" by Ludacris. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. think that's just a cautionary tale about how bad the traffic in Atlanta is? <laughs> Can't be. I mean, we widely see that. Um, I started a whole bunch of material about DMX, um, and about how he's just a beaver of dogs, and he's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That one? <laughs> I think I know which one you're talking about. And, and like that when somebody shows up at his house with the bitches, he's like excited because he thinks it's a dog. It's like, no, it's just these hoes. So I got the song loaded up now. Right, so AJR, up. Bummerland, and we'll be back after this uh, brief jam. <laughs>
with our guest, BB Xavier. And that was Bummerland by AJR. What does AJR stand for? Um, uh, Adam, Jason, Ryan, I think. It's the three names of the guys. Oh. Yeah. I, I might have, like, messed up for perhaps what the specific name is, but it's their names. That's what it is. Yeah, we've been listening to a handpicked playlist by BB Xavier herself. <laughs> yeah, I do DJ. I've I've been known to DJ parties and stuff. Um, produce the occasional hip hop beat. I made a um a post vaporwave album that is still available on uh, Bandcamp. Oh really? We could play some yeah. of it. Or uh, well, you, you don't. No, we you don't know. have enough time. <laughs> um, it's called Sethra's Brooding though. If you ever want to look it up. Um, what is it called again? Sethra, like S-E-T-H-R-A, apostrophe S, Sethra's brooding. Like I'm a brooding bitch. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> I was like doing a cat growl. Do you have any recordings of your, um, of your rap days? Anywhere? Um, well, an old folder that has most of my albums. But there's um, nothing online that the audience could uh, find? I think there could be YouTube videos still of my uh, some of my videos or songs, but I don't think there's nowhere to buy them right now. Mm. <laughs> I'm just showcasing the many talents of BB Xavier. <laughs> Why, thank you, <laughs> Comedian, rapper, writer. <laughs> yeah, so check it out. Rainbow start. sister. Start with rapping at but um, the, as a rapper, I haven't performed in two years. Uh, about 2018 in Orlando is the last time I did a show. And also moving forward, uh, if I do do any more musical performances, I'm not performing as Professor Anarchy anymore. My rap name has been for a couple months and will be moving forward, Tara Kildred. It'll be what? Tara Kildred. Kara Kilgrave. Kilgrave. Grave. Grave. Kara Kilgrave. I'm going to type it to you on Facebook. Grave with the B That's how excited the um, AJR was to hear about that. They just wanted to <laughs> type in again and be like, hey, that's cool. Yeah, no. Um, there's three brothers in my band, though. They're pretty awesome. Um, I like a number of their songs. Tara Kilgrave, like Purple Girl from Marvel fucking Universe. I don't know. I'm a comic book nerd a little bit more than you in that regard, I guess. I yeah, know. I'm sure. <laughs> it's not hard to be a bigger comic book nerd than me. <laughs> I think I might. And like, you know, you um, write comic books. <laughs> so there's no yeah. contest there. <laughs> but yeah, what, what are you going to dress up as for Halloween? Oh, I'm not out for Halloween. I'll probably be at work. Well, you're not going to dress up at work? Alright. So I have, like, ladybug um, thigh highs that I kind of like right now. Maybe I could build something for Halloween. <laughs> I just thought I'd stay on topic with the seasons. <laughs> um, yeah, right? I should pick a character and cosplay out of my own comic book. That's what I should do for the Yeah! Time. Then when people ask you, you can plug in your comic book. It's perfect. <laughs> 
Well, uh, I do. I'm wearing the T-shirt right now as my back patch. So I tore apart one of the T-shirts I had for promotion for this book and made it my back patch, and I'm wearing it work. That's cool. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a meta approach. Self-promotion. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have to do nowadays. So, uh, during this COVID season, wh what was like one of the, what was one thing that you, that you did that you're proud of during this time when we can't do other things? Mm, I don't know. I mean, so much of what I do is done remotely through the internet anyway. I am in contact with artists that are tens of thousands of miles away. 